Today's podcast is brought to you by Drinkers Like You. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. It was only a matter of time. You can only haze for so long before the backlash. New England tried to take the IPA from the West Coast, but we all know there ain't no party like a West Coast party. And apparently they party like brutes. Well, like brute. Time to talk about the Brute IPA and see if it's worthy of its own fad. Let's find out as we have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. So yeah, we're we're down uh, a Brittany this week. Yeah, I don't we... know how many cowboys she waits before she comes in. Hopefully I did that right. <laughs> well yeah, she's uh, she's been a time, uh, her and the baby with family, and it's uh, just the three of us uh, boys clubbing it this just week. Just the three of us. Trey Muchachos. Uh, the... Were the Three Amigos? <laughs> What's the Disney version of Three Amigos? I can't remember what they're called ever. Or Musketeers? Uh, no, it's Donald, Panchito, and uh, the Three Caballeros. Yes. Uh, I love that one. You've, yeah, you've got the 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 Brazilian parrot, I believe, and the Argentinian. Is he a chicken rooster? <laughs> no, he's not a chicken. Are we sure he could be a rooster? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not. Okay. All right. Well, uh, in the spirit of moving things along, what's everyone been up to? Well, we had a baby shower today. It's good stuff. I had some good food. But Much fun. A lot of cocktail weenies. A lot of cocktail. A lot of weenies. cocktail weenies. A lot of, a lot of cheese. That cheese. Yeah. Nobody's going to be pooping for weeks. Uh, I beg to differ. But that's because I was I was was prelated down with breakfast uh, gravy from mom. <laughs> so no, that that happened to us too. So since we were in and. Uh, the grandparents got to take the baby for the whole. They just like grabbed him when we came in the door. We're like, all right, and then we wake <laughs> they up. They took eight him. Hours. They shoved you outside and went, no, you don't get to come in here. Pretty much, no. They shoved us back to a bedroom and we slept for eight hours straight, and it was glorious. You do not know how glorious it is to sleep for eight hours straight until you've had to go like three months without being able to do so. <laughs> you can't appreciate it. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Yeah, that's why I keep telling Casey, enjoy the sleep. No. Take it. Sleep all the sleep. You're not sleeping right now. You you should be sleeping right now. I agree. I'm kicking you out as soon as we get <laughs> with it, get done with this show, see what I can go you sleep. Don't, you don't want any of this bourbon barrel aged toasted coconut vanilla. Can we do Gordon? that while the show's going on? Uh probably not. Not with <laughs> what we've gotta 
drink here. It would override the flavors. Power you could, however, put uh, put it inside of a baby bottle, put it into Casey's mouth, and just gently let him rock him yes. to sleep. Rock me to sleep. It's the way it needs to be from here on out. But yeah, we got a great, a lot of great things, a lot of great gifts. Um, I loved the books that both of you <laughs> picked up. Um, both of you have have definitely picked up on the the geek side. So I've got the ABC of D and D as the and the book. one. And the one two three of D and D. Oh, and the one two three. Okay, yeah, it's the yeah, ABCs it, and one two three. I, I thought they were both ABCs, just no. different. Okay, cool. I like that. And then uh, quantum physics for babies, basically. <laughs> well, and general relativity and oh. uh, uh, astrophysics and uh, uh, Newtonian physics. physics. Newtonian physics. Yes. yes. <laughs> for babies. For babies. For babies. <laughs> Which is when you need to start this stuff. Right, no, I want those kids smart, and I want them smart, like, right away. <laughs> I'm, we'll start I'm, on that. I'm going to, like, break into Casey's house, and he's like, what, what are you doing? I'm reading, I'm reading Herodotus' histories to your child, children. Just let this happen. That's okay. We're right with that. <laughs> They're going to have some very confusing ideas about what history is, but... <laughs> uh, that's what about you? Fault, not mine. <laughs> what about you, Bob? Uh, well... Because of the baby shower, I had to have a quick, uh, quick turnaround to go down there, see you guys, give gifts, and then rush back. Uh, I, you know, got to spend a little bit of time with the family, uh, watched, uh, watched some some educational videos with my with my youngest niece. Uh, she's got a little iPad that she's learning uh, how to read from, and it's playing her like little two minute songs about the alphabet. We started at A, and we got to about V before it was bedtime. No. I was going to say, did you just get to V, and then you were like, hold up, and then you just go to the scene in uh, V for Vendetta? Where <laughs> All of a sudden, a guy in a guy fox mask showed up, started stabbing people, and I was like, this is really not appropriate for children. <laughs> <laughs> Hugo Weaving showed up and started stabbing people wearing a guy fox mask. I don't know. Yeah. A little yeah. off the rails. Yeah. Uh. But no, it was it was it was nice. I got to see you know see most well my immediate family. Uh, I saw some of them as they were. My sister showed up as I was leaving, so I was like, "Hi, bye, have fun storming the castle." Boom. Uh, and then also the anthem beta came out, and I've been trying to see if I'm going to buy it. Hmm. It's leaning towards yes because I don't have children to keep me awake all night. <laughs> yeah. So. That, that kind of comes down to what I've been up to. Uh, half the weekend so far was driving and packing the baby up. You do not realize everything that is necessary for the child once it's all in place. Like, everything's there. And then when you have to move him, even for, like, two days, you're like, this isn't worth it. Like, <laughs> I'd rather not go somewhere. Uh, remembering all of my cousins and my sisters and the gigantic baby bags. I'm like, oh. no, that seems about right. I'm pretty sure they fit an entire changing station in one of those. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, packing up uh, the pack and play. and That ain't no fun. No. Uh, it is a pack and play. And there is, there's no real playing about packing, packing it. About <laughs> yeah. the packing for it, yeah. It doesn't tell you, like, you know, dirty limericks as you're putting it up. <laughs> Which I think it should. Like, just all the way midway through, like, there once was a man from Nantucket. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, we get everything packed up, and we had to make 
uh, pit stop in Lexington our way down for my family to see him for like, it was like a timed hour. Like I'm sitting there like, all right, we gotta go. Got like, time. Five minutes. Five minutes. We gotta get back on the road. You're on the clock. But everything took twice as long as it, we had planned on, and so it was like almost midnight before we got in Ooh. off the road. And uh, I'd been up since two forty-five. That makes me sleepy. <laughs> I, I was I was tired, but again, I got sleep, felt better, and here we are drinking now. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know what we might have up next? A few podcast announcements. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> as some people may have noticed, uh, I, the announcements is a place to put this, right now, due to baby, uh, episodes getting posted is taking a little time. Uh, our editor has a lot of things pulling at her attention. So Her getting, attention. That's what he's pulling at. Yes, yes. So getting things edited and up uh, is a little off, about a week off right now. So <laughs> as of right now, all the episodes are being posted offset a week. They're getting recorded on time, but that does not help you all with hearing them. We apologize, but baby. Baby, okay. and soon multiple babies on multiple ends. There will be three again. babies. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like... Casey, you don't need to. Just give one to me. It's fine. That way it'll even things up. I think I'm okay with that idea. (laughs) (laughs) They say I don't get attached until they get here, so, you know. Oh, I'm going to save this as blackmail down the road. uh, I didn't say which one I was giving up. But what else are we looking forward to? Uh, Well, we have Drinktacular coming up. Don't... Remember, mark your calendars, February 22nd through February 24th, 2019, in Asheville, North Carolina. Brewery tours, brewery hopping, bottle shares, uh, shaving more of of Chris. No? No, 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 not this time. Okay. Well, we'll still have fun. Uh, Email us to reserve. Bottle shares he participates in. (laughs) You can email us to reserve your spots. We've I think got, they're mainly full up. I think, like, yeah, there might be some wiggle room if you're if you're really wanting to go on something, but I don't know how full they are. Yeah, we're we're pretty close to full up. I know um, we can we can get extra spots for a nominal fee, not from you, but from us, on to the New Belgium tour if necessary. But I can for, I could step out of the Sierra Nevada one to make a little space if need Sierra. be. <clears throat> But we, I we can, can take my own tour there. I've seen the place. We can maybe wiggle everyone in. But anyway, if you like, if you're just going to be in the area, or if you just want to come and hang out, you can still just come and hang out with us at the breweries and everything. Uh, our rough schedule is up on our website, haveadrinkshow.com. Uh, there's just a little Asheville or Drinktacular tag there you can go to, and it's got the uh, schedule up there. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, we can't wait to see you guys down there. But we have now. Our the final. F- the final Movie Draft Minute. Welcome to your Movie Draft Minute presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of January 28, 2019. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. My buddy bought tickets to the Super Bowl, not realizing his upcoming wedding was on the same day. If you'd like to take his place, the wedding's at three. Let's go to the scoreboard. Team Bond Squad's in last place with $318.9 million. Team Movie Party's in fifth place with $460.6 million. Team Retro Misery's in fourth place with $497 million. Team Game Night is in third place 
with $512.2 million. Team Drunkage Gaming is in second place with $568.4 million. And in first place for the final time, it's Team Have a Drink with $611.4 million. That's your final movie draft minute. All totals accurate as of February 2nd, 2019. Okay, so we've got a good 40 million lead. Yeah. Going. And that's all movies are out. Mm-hmm. We are in the two-week coast, so that is the end of updates. Yes. Once again, thanks so much to Big Voice Jay. Doing those specials Ooh. for us. Yes, Jay. Us every- and the rest of everybody. He is he's amazing. He had a little extra work for us because ours are on different days from everyone else. Everyone else does during the week, and we're the only schlubs that don't have you know a lot of social life, so we can do ours on the weekend. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, if... I think it's usually four weeks from the last movie, I think is usually the rule. Uh, uh, I can't remember if it's two or four weeks. I know, I know there's just like a time to where it's after that. Yeah. So that last movie can bring in revenue. Right. <laughs> so no, we just... doesn't do a whole lot of good to buy that last one. Yeah, no. That the, the last movie in the draft is always the least valuable one. Yeah, because it's only like four weeks and that's all you get out of it. And whereas we're squeeze, we were able to squeeze every last drop out of the Grinch. Like that was like the second mm-hmm. week of the draft or something that, that baby came out, and we just wrung it hard. I was telling Dad because uh, I will talk with him like movie draft strategy stuff for this, like how how we planned stuff, and I'm just like, no, the Grinch is the only thing that's kept us like as well as we've done, uh, and we could still lose it. There's still, I guess, a little bit of time, but we're. Uh, we're still sitting with a nice, nice little bit of lead. Uh, the new rule apparently is uh, get a couple of drinks in Bob and put them in front of the the movie draft. Yep, yep. Just <laughs> after we've all had a discussion about it, because you remembered the discussion in your drunkenness. Yes. And you, we set out a playbook, and you hit it to a T. I had well, I had a playbook, and I had uh, my own handwritten notes that I kept next to me for the whole thing, and a schedule of when the movies came out, so I didn't get lost. And you made the correct calls, it turns out. <laughs> we're letting some things like Ralph Breaks the Internet, which I would, me and Brittany were in our discussions previously going, no, we have to get that movie. We have to get that movie. <laughs> and then you made the call and said, no, we don't really need that movie. I don't need it for that much. Yeah. I could, I could cobble together like two or three movies for the amount of that one to get. Which uh, was the, the correct call. It was. Uh, I did tell, I, was, I still laugh when I think about the draft, though, because once I was like, basically down to my last bit of money i went no i am setting a minimum bid now i'm tired of this one dollar stuff oh yeah <laughs> here's 25 dollars. who's gonna try to take it all right it's ours now <laughs> well we got a couple more weeks and or maybe four more weeks and we'll figure out exactly what we've got going there in the mm-hmm. meantime let's get into some news uh. All right, uh, Kentucky really leading with some big uh, national beer news. Well, yeah, national, I'll go ahead and say it. But from a very unlikely source that originally broke this story with the tale. I was going to say, it's from my dad's favorite uh, show. (laughs) Really? Yeah, no, he loves this. Okay, well, it's the tale of uh, Stephen Foster. And this was from what uh, what website or uh, radio show? Radio show. Kentucky, Kentucky Sports, Sports Radio. Radio broke for this the record. Story. That's my dad's favorite. Not, oh, not, not necessarily this story. <laughs> yeah. Although he probably got a kick out of it. 
So they have plenty of pictures of this guy, which is something to uh, <laughs> to try and track him down with, I guess. So uh, they don't know these are all aliases assumed uh, for this man who is the... What was his name from... Ah, uh, oh, crap. That Tom Hanks movie with uh, DiCaprio. Catch oh, me uh, Catch Me If You Can. can. The, yeah. the, um, Frank Abagnale. Of yeah, Brewery. this is like the less suave Frank Abagnale of craft brewing. This is more of the fat schlub doing the same thing. He, he's not charming his way through this. He's... I, I'll say this. There should have been a big clue that this man was a con man and not, in fact, a brewer. Because from these pictures, he has no beard. Clean shaven. Uh, as a baby's bottom. Yeah, the, no way this man has been a brewer. So uh, let's get into the story here in case you all are like, what the hell are they talking about? So as they've written it here, uh, this is the story of a craft beer con man who traveled across the United States and abroad a man who knew how to exploit the shared weakness of most small businesses, talk a big big enough game, and a background check won't be required, talking even bigger game and even full business partners and investors. So in the beginning, uh, there were exploding bottles, infected batches, and angry customers from across the Commonwealth of Kentucky, because this is where he started this uh, long con. Or at least the, this is where his most rec- some of his more recent stuff has been, too. Yeah. So. So uh, the longer the brewery stayed open, the more rumors and complaints piled up with the beer community. Despite the many issues, this is where it uh, seemed to have taken off was St. Arnulf Aylery. Aylery. I was uh, reading that wrong when we were reading this the first time, and I was like, oh, Aylery. Gotcha. Wow. I'm so dumb. this was the, his most recent uh, victim. It was a brewery in Cadiz. 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 Cadiz, Kentucky. Cadiz. Uh, they, Probably Cadiz. <laughs> yeah, they, they announced on social media that they uh, had a beer garden under construction in late September 2018, and it's, then it's nothing. Exciting. Oh, that's less exciting news. Well, without explanation or warning, the beer stopped flowing, distribution stopped, contacts ceased. It wasn't until a few days before Christmas 2018 that St. Arnulf owner Molly Oliver confirmed in a tweet that the business was no longer in operation. Uh, they spoke to her husband about uh, what happened, and yeah, uh, in early 2017, Foster approached the Olivers, the owners of Black Hawk Farms, with a business proposal. He was a brewer and needed a brewery. Uh, Foster mentioned that he moved back to his childhood home of Kentucky after brewing in Florida. He wanted his two kids and wife to experience Kentucky how he had. Foster had a plan. He asked for $25,000 in startup funds to start brewing beer in the Oliver Farm grain bin. He would split beer sales 50-50 with the owners. In August 2017, uh, St. Arnulf LLC was incorporated. Soon after the farm refit the grain bin, uh, brewing equipment was purchased and installed. Beer was being made and distributed, and consumers were purchasing and complaining. Mm. Uh, They asked Brandon Oliver his opinion on Foster, and he said he seemed intelligent, smooth, and he would talk down to others, but what he was doing was... Uh, we'll, we'll skip some of the... Stupid. Uh, it was stupid. S- stupid, yeah. yes, we'll say that. Uh, so various accounts in the region indicated that Foster began asking for more investors. He repeatedly or reportedly uh, wanted to expand the business into Florida and additional states. He and Arnold's beer rep would take samples to Tampa and St. Augustine, meeting with distributors and craft beer bloggers. 
During this time, the beer rep admits that Foster didn't always pay her the amount promised and sometimes would pay her with funds, uh, as Foster told her, via his old bearer bonds instead of through the company's normal payroll system. In September 2018, Foster began working on a tap room, and it took the form of an outdoor beer garden on the Oliver property. One day, weeks later, Foster asked his assistant to meet him at 9 a.m. the next morning to brew. Foster never came back. Uh, yep. So uh, the uh, that was kind of the end for them. So the phone uh, rang and rang. I checked and it was em- uh, I checked the house and it was empty. The door was unlocked. Brandon Oliver says his chickens were still in the backyard. About ninety percent of his clothes were gone. He uh, he left as if he only had six hours to leave. Foster <sighs> left his tools out at the unfinished beer garden. He and his family left town overnight. But this wasn't the first time Foster caused issue for a brewery. It happened many times before St. Arnold's. Uh, that night, Molly Oliver confirmed the brewery's closure. Yeah, she mentioned there was uh, from some investigation that it was the same guy from from her tweet, the Tampa scandal. So yeah, apparently he's been going all over the country for years doing this. Uh, the Tampa scandal, uh, the. the was mentioned his involvement with uh, 81 Bay Brewing Company in Tampa. This is back in 2016. From uh, a Reddit post, like they can track it back, uh, describes an open brewer position with 81 Bay. Reddit user Wobbling... Wobbling... Yeah, Wahib? let's just... Let's know. just... Yeah. Asked bluntly, I hope you aren't the guys that hired Steve Foster... Because if you are, I feel really, really, really bad for you. Hmm. It was. Eh. Yeah. Yep. Lesson learned. So, yeah, uh, after uh, 81 Bay were not able uh, or not available for comment about this. So the Reddit thread uh, led to an article citing a brewery closure in South Bend, Indiana for Horseman Brewing Company. Uh, Brothers Sam and Ben Raul uh, opened this brewery. The third owner and brewmaster. Stephen Foster, one beer vlogger uh, familiar with Four Horsemen Brewing, admitted that the beer sucked <laughs> mm. and that he believed Foster to be a fraud. He relayed the that Foster was most likely let go for uh, lingering quality control issues. Later, Foster would tell others he left on his own. So, mm. there's a lot of breweries that go down through and and basically track through his history. And so St. Arnulf was his most recent one. Then 81 Bay prior to that. Windridge, Severe L House Project in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Knoxville Sawworks in Southern College, Tennessee, or South College, Tennessee. Four Horsemen, Nimbus Brewing in Arizona. Like throughout that whole list, he's really at none of those breweries. It, well, throughout that whole list, it was from 2011 on to 2017. That that he was at all of those. The so. most time he was at anywhere was at St. Arnold for two years. And so, when you're looking at these, you're trying to develop a pattern. So, like, oh, is there like a footprint that he's kind of lingering around in? And it's like Kentucky, Florida, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Tennessee, Indiana. Yeah, there's kind of a general area, and then Arizona. Oh, okay, South Africa. <laughs> mm, yeah, 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 in Cape Town. You're like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> he had to get out of town for a little while, let things uh, kind of cool off. But where it all started was Bowling Green Brewing Company in Kentucky. So he's kind of in this thing with Kentucky. 
And it's kind of like, well, that's probably where he's from. But the St. Arnulf ones, I saw these bottles on shelves not long ago in Kentucky. And I had uh, salespeople at some notable liquor stores that I'm not going to name, uh, told Casey which ones, who were trying to push these beers onto me. And uh, I saw them because they have these weird, for some reason the bottles were wrapped with printed paper all the way. Like someone just wrapped a sheet of paper around it and twisted it at the neck. And I was just mm. looking at it like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I find it odd, just as a personal note, that the brewery that was going to be, the one that was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, is in the old KFC. And I actually <laughs> can pinpoint in my mind where that is. I'm <laughs> um, just kind of thinking about that. Yeah. Um, some people have some uh, some really great words to say about him. Um, Barnes. A... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say uh, a previous employee of Windridge uh, Brewing uh, or Windridge Farm in Pennsylvania where he worked um, was Jared Barnes who said that he called in sick one day then to only discover uh, that he had left and had left the brewery basically with nothing nothing there, poorly produced beer, and uh, about $100,000 lost. Uh, the quote from Barnes, he says, he ruins people's lives, he makes them put their trust in him, give him money, and he leaves. According to Barnes, Foster could talk the talk, but in practical application... And this is a quote whenever he says, in practical application, he's a F-word moron. <laughs> in his scientific opinion. Right. Yeah. So he's still out there, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Uh, these are The name Stephen Foster is an assumed alias. Like, mm. everyone thinks it's an alias. He has gone by different names at these different breweries. He hasn't always gone by that name. Well, he's also in some cases, changed, whether he's Steve, Stephen, or like a different form of Stephen, I think, yeah. in some cases, too. Stephon. Stephon. So he, uh, scroll back down to the timeline real quick. So uh, since researching this story, they learned that Foster occasionally go by his first name of Scott, sometimes take the last name of Sala. As, in, uh, as of January 2019, colleagues of Foster believe he is residing with his family in Illinois. Takeaway for small business owners uh, or breweries or otherwise, uh, take the time to interview and check references. Don't just take everyone's word for it. Don't If they're like, oh, well, I brewed with such and such. I, I brewed with uh, Cigar City down in Florida, or I brewed... Like just throw throwing names out there that you don't think they'll have the balls to call and check, or say that it's so small that they won't call and check. Like vet them. <laughs> yeah. Sure. No, because this this guy is a uh, kind of a monster. I don't even think he's like making that much profit off of what he's doing, because a lot of the stuff that he's like well, disappearing with is like because they say a hundred thousand dollars. In poorly made beer. Yeah, he just basically runs the companies into the ground. He gets paid for a few months. He's just no good at what he does. It's like he desperately wants to be good at it and yeah. can't seem to can't seem to nail it down. He's had many chances. Mm-hmm. It's uh, time to think about a different career. The the thing is, he lies too about. Well, he he claims that he's got a degree in brewing from a German brewing uh, institute of some sort, and, and you know, and there's no way to check to see if well, that is accurate. There, there could be, but you know, no one does no it. No one apparently has. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us into um, some new things that are coming not from Germany. Wir 
not that drunk. Cheeky bastards. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. Yes, indeed. We're on to the topic for this week, the Brute IPA. Yes. Uh, Brute IPA, one of the uh, the new, I believe the kids refer to it as the hotness. The hopness. I, I, the hopness. Yeah, we'll call it that. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I don't know what the kids call things. The hippity hopness. I, all, I know is they, all I know is they stay on my lawn, even if I get the hose on them. The, for whatever reason, they just won't get off my lawn. They're just attracted to my lush green lawn. Kentucky bluegrass, I'm just ruin it out there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the Brewed IPA is a relatively new addition to the world of craft beer, a very dry uh, yet still hoppy beer that serves to accentuate the flavors of hops without a lot of malt to back it up. Beer also tends to be less filling due to the lower levels of residual sugars and thinner body. Well, and Brute is a uh, champagne term, isn't it? Aren't yes. There- and that is really what this thing comes across like. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Brute IPA was the brainchild of Kim Studevant from uh, Social Kitchen and Brewery located in San Francisco. So that's, uh, that's where this this bad boy came out of. It's not too often. Brute, Brute IPA, the San Francisco treat. Ding, ding. <laughs> it's not too often you can pinpoint the origin of any beer style to a single person or brewery. Uh, however, I guess in this case we can, and in the case of the New England IPA. <laughs> oh yeah, I was also going to go with Anchor, but uh, the, so there are the several There's places. There, there are some cases you can't, but usually, <laughs> which I will say statistically from our show, we can't always find one person. No, but in this case, we can think of three. Nope. <laughs> As the story goes. <laughs> As the story goes, uh, Studevant liked to experiment with the various hops, yeasts, and grains in the process. Uh, but one area that many breweries did not experiment in was the use of enzymes and the science of brewing. While working college, with, it was a strange time. You kind of wanted to try new things. You just got to experiment. Mm-hmm. While working with the triple IPA, uh, Studevant added some enzymes to help make more sugars in the triple more fermentable. And to dry out the beer a little. Nothing uh, nothing like the brewed IPA, but enough to increase its fermentability and drinkability. Schudevarn thought the idea and, uh, and realized that if he were to add enzymes to a beer with even fewer residual sugars, he could dry the beer out almost completely, leaving us with the very dry brute IPA we have today. Uh, the term brute from the name of the style is a throwback to brute champagnes, meaning the driest of champagnes. Craftbeer.com did an interview with Studevant. Uh, what if I made an IPA strength beer that finished at zero Play-Doh? <laughs> no uh, republics here. N- none. Make it as champagne-like as possible. Spritzy, really light-colored, and all fruity hops, and just super crisp. I thought it sounded good, so I did it. <laughs> I mean, All right. that's kind of how I like to imagine making styles of beer should be. It's like, <laughs> wait, wait, what if I did something that seems dumb? Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they never stopped to think they should. 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 Uh, what has science wrought? <laughs> Plato is a brewer's way of measuring the amount of sugar in a beer. 
at the end of fermentation, most standard IPAs finish at two to four Play-Doh. Uh, the sugar that isn't consumed during fermentation builds body in the beer, making it thicker and adds a little residual sweetness. How many then, C's in that? <laughs> a few. Oh. The initial brewed IPA recipes have built a fan base. Brewers from the Czech Republic, Russia, France, England, Brazil, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand, and more all have reached out to Studevant about uh, their take on his new style. I could see people in the Czech Republic going, all right, someone give me the guy who did this. Yeah, this is really uh, reminiscent of uh, a Czech Pilsner, I would say. Yeah, because it did. Yeah. It almost feels more Czech Pilsnery than than IPA. It, <laughs> at least the 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 one I'm trying first. Yeah. So uh, larger craft breweries like Sierra Nevada and New Belgium uh, Brewing have already started packaging their own brewed IPAs for mass distribution. Also, um, not currently on market yet, but I have seen coming from uh, Ballast Point has one that'll be nationally available. So all the big guys are starting to roll these things out quick. Yeah, I think they're trying not to get like behind on the trend, kind of like with like New England's. Yeah, where they're <laughs> New Belgium's like we put some weird yeast in there. Yeah, that's for Hefeweizens. You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just went for the coloration on that front. So uh, the front door of Social Kitchen and Brewery advertises that this is the. Home of the Brewed IPA. With such fanfare, Studevant wants to do as... I, I know I'm, I've got to be saying the name wrong. Wants to do as much for the style as he can and portray it in the best light. It's been picking up steam within the industry, but it'll take much more for it to gain notoriety with mainstream craft beer drinkers. Yeah. Uh, the main concern is letting the ABV creep up too high. Because it creeps. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, no. I just go to, um, what's the movie where it's Michael Keaton as the chief of police? Who's oh, uh, the other guys? You got a creep. Yeah. The other guys. <laughs> it's like, he can't be doing this on purpose. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, that movie is better than I think it should be. Um, it's fantastic. Aim for the bushes. <laughs> anyway, uh, the APV could creep up a little too high. He says the sweet spot uh, for the Brute is between 6.5% and 7% ABV. The main idea behind the style is you should always be, make it a dry, refreshing, super hoppy beer. With a higher ABV and a more boozy taste, uh, the beer becomes perceivably sweeter. That would make it uh, easier to confuse uh, with a new style with a West Coast IPA. Uh, while he's not planning uh, to police other brewers using the style's name, Sudervart would like it to remain easy to differentiate. Uh, beer styles with the Brewers Association recent addition to uh, Juicy or Hazy IPA to the Great American uh, Beer Festival competition, uh, perhaps a similar fate is in store for Studevant's style. Yeah, Chris uh, and I were talking about this a little bit, how... Uh, maybe not this coming year, but possibly the year after it could be on the Brewers Association or the GABF um, competition yeah. circuit under its own. What it, was, yeah, we were questioning so um, because how quickly well, it'll be official. And I think because at first I was speculating maybe we'd see it this year, but no, it's way too short notice for it to catch on to be at GABF this year. 
uh, maybe the following year. I would I would say by the following year because how long we were kind of spitballing. How long did Hazy take before GABF picked it up? I mean, that it was took a, good a little three while, or four, three or four yeah. years of national attention. Not even yeah. count whenever it was its own little niche thing that you went to Vermont to get. Right um, now the. BJCP comes out with a new one every two years, right? Supposedly, but the last one that came out was in 2015, so... Mm, it's been okay. a while. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, it's not really the goal, but it would be cool if it do- if it does happen, is what Struvant says about it popping up at GABF. Uh, excuse me. When looking at the science of the Brute IPA, you have to look at how beers get residual sugars. During the production of beers, mash converts converts starches into sugars. This process is completed by multiple types of enzymes that break down long chains of starch molecules into smaller, simple sugars. Even as the mash converts these starches into sugars, uh, they will not be completely converted. This will leave behind some more complex chains that add body, but no sweetness, as well as more complex sugars that are not very sweet at all. these type of sugars are not fermentable by types of yeast that most brewers use. To measure this amount of sugar in the solution, brewers use different tools that can measure specific gravity or degrees Plato. Uh, I don't have a degree in Plato. I decided that philosophy was not for me. It's a poor man's uh, career path. <laughs> I mean, history is not much better. Uh, the measurements can also tell potential for alcohol produced. Uh, depending on how much sugar is in the wort, the amount of alcohol that can be produced will vary. When measuring in specific gravity, a measurement of 1.000 is the same density as water. Uh, and this is also known as zero Plato. Uh, the more sh- <laughs> sorry, I just keep wanting to make like Plato Republic jokes and I'm like, nope, nope, just keep that inside. There's no reason to, to draw in weird philosopher Kings. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as more sugars uh, is dissolved in the solution, a, the density will increase. Uh, beers that are typically around 5% ABV will start around one pound and one ounce of sugar uh, per gallon of liquid. This level is measured usually as 1.0, uh, 1.040 or 1040, uh, specific gravity or 10 Plato. The general conversion is one degree Plato for every po- four points of specific gravity. Yeah, take a big drink after that. Yeah, there's a lot of words. To be fair, so did I. (laughs) Uh, I was expecting someone to try to chime in so I could get a drink and went, nope, nope, didn't happen. All right. Read the room wrong. It's like that really difficult to watch State of the Union address that the Republican gave the The response. The one from uh, Rubio. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) The the drink of water is all around the world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the sips splashed around the world. Uh, anyway, during fermentation, yeast will convert these sugars into alcohol, which is less dense than water. Uh, by the way, every time we say dense, I immediately flash to Back to the Future. The first one where it's like, you're my density. Oh, yeah. Destiny, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be fair, it's good that they didn't put him in any more movies. Mm. Anyway, this moves the measurement of Plato closer to zero and the specific gravity closer to one as the density of the solution decreases. When fermentation is complete, the harder to ferment sugars are usually left behind. 
uh, for a more moderate strength beer, you'll be left with around 1.008 or 10.08 specific gravity uh, units or two Play-Doh. For bigger beers like triple IPAs and Imperial Stouts, it's much more common to have a lot of residual sweetness and sugar in a beer that may creep into the 1.15 range. 1.015. 1.015. Sorry. The the tens and the whatever was starting to throw 10, me. 10.15 um, is fi- Usually you just remove the, the decimal, decimal point, and, and that's how you say it um, if, you're, if you're talking brewer world. Most major brewers will work in Play-Doh. So basically, uh, ten fifteen is a what is that? Basically, it's divided by four. So that's three point seven five Play-Doh. Um, I was just also thinking as I was tra- reading that, going ten fifty, ten fifty. That's I mean that, and that's mm. where you get. Uh, isn't there a ten eighty, or a, not a ten eighty? Uh, what is it? The the Oscar is Blues ten fifty, ten fifty. Okay, ten fifty. I'm thinking of. I'm pretty sure that that starts out life from- at. At, at that level, or or maybe it even I don't I, as thick as it is, it might end at Tim Fitty. Yeah, I was gonna say like that's that's just the brewers making a joke that no one gets. <laughs> Heads up, I'm trying to plan a patron episode of Tim Fitty. Tim Fitty, so oh, yeah. we can do barrel aged against regular. Okay, because I love that barrel aged Tim Fitty, one of my all time favorite beers. I th- I think I can get regular tin fitty finally. Yeah, so everyone that's... can get regular tin fitty. If you get Oscar Blues distribution in your area, which you should, you can get tin fitty. I'm just in trying the sky. to find in case Oh, okay. Tin fitty is ABV <laughs> content. I had to look it up. 10.5. Oh, oh okay. So. Not the it's not the Play-Doh. Not the Play-Doh. I'm just saying if it was that, could you I could gravity. totally see that in the brewery going like, you got more of that tin fitty? Get that tin fitty juice. Sturdivant's idea was first was to use the enzymes that can break down the starches even more into their simple simple sugars that can be fermented by the yeast. These enzymes would be added to the mash where sugars would be broken down more quickly and completely. This allows the beers to be less sweet and also less filling. A great change when they are uh, there are really too many of those kind of cloying and sickly sweet beers around, in my opinion. Uh, These enzymes work best at warmer temperatures, however. So Social Kitchen and Breweries Brewmaster actually says he would encourage folks to add them to the mash itself. Shoot for a mash temperature of about 143 to 146 to not denature the enzymes. So if an enzyme gets too hot, it will unravel. It's basically an enzyme, I think, is a protein coagulated, or not coagulated, a protein type compound that is um, kind of all squiggled up. And if you get too hot, those squiggles denature or change shape so they don't do what you're actually looking for them to do. Uh, I always think of enzymes as just weird things looking for the other half to complete them, but that was from a really weird science book. <laughs> yeah, like their, their diagram of enzymes just always stuck in my head. It's like, this one needs a trapezoid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's pretty much the, the case is you've got to have specific enzymes for specific things. Specific so things. Yeah. Um, some enzymes break down protein, some enzyme or some break down sugars and starches like what we're talking about today. Some break down proteins. So um, there's an enzyme in pineapples and mangoes. And mm. that's what we use as meat tenderizer. If you buy that's a meat right. tenderizer yeah. in the store, it's a mango and pineapple extract. I, I had a minute there when you said that where I was like, 
I know pineapples do something to meat. Wait, does drinking it make my muscles atrophy? No, that can't be right. <laughs> nope. And then it was like, tenderizer. That's it. Yep. So um, things like that really are, are key to helping also, us cook and, and have better foods. That also explains why like all those hams have like pineapple things like just oh yeah, yeah. pineapple rings that and it tastes good oh that i'm chubbing up <laughs> chubbing up thinking about a good spiral cut ham with slices of pineapple on. i it. came a hair i went to the grocery oh, store on on uh friday and i came a hair of just mm. buying a whole ham just going like Bring when are you going to cook this i don't know but i want it i want it now yeah Make like a ham at home oh so. Those spiral based ham or spiral cut hams are great just to like buy for yourself, <laughs> freeze some, and then use the other as like sandwich meat. Oh yes, <laughs> like uh, I wonder if it would be cheaper to buy that and then just use that as sandwich meat forever, as I opposed mean, so to as I opposed totally... to like buying like whatever ham I'm getting now. I wonder what what the price of a, a spiral cut ham is at the store because sandwich meat's like eight dollars a pound. I yeah. bet it's cheaper to buy a whole spiral ham. I bet it is because the more work involved in that is really the the more work it takes to get something, the cheaper it usually is to get, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So the one we got back over Christmas, I totally uh, lamb filled it at one point to where like <laughs> late at night I was like in like just digging for ham. And I'm like laying in the <laughs> fridge eating ham in the middle of the night. And I'm just like, I just need Brittany to walk in here. <laughs> oh, Phil, honey. <laughs> Oh, mm, ham! <laughs> I was uh, doing that in my sleep. I like burped, and I was like, I was like, mm, ham. So you can get a six-pound ham for sixty-six bucks, even though there's a bone in it, you mm-hmm. know, which takes up some of that. It's still like what, ten bucks a pound at that rate, almost like ten, eleven dollars a pound, something like that. Yeah, it's not too bad considering That's... the. We That's got a better still price at Whole Foods. Oh, I, this was Honey Baked Ham's website, so this is probably like delivered to your door price. Okay, I was like, no, we well, did. We had much. Right, we're, we're, this is a tangent. We are. Yeah, we we <laughs> hit. We hit ham. <laughs> we're pricing spiral cut hams. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when Brittany's not here. <laughs> no, Our fat asses are right ordering hams, <laughs> whole hams. What a ham! Uh, God, when Brittany's not here to stare at us to go, oh, yes, ma'am, back on topic. Oh, we're still going to be on time. So, Sturdivant, <laughs> uh, yeah, Sturdivant says um, in his recipe that you're supposed to use 20 milliliters of this enzyme for every 100 pounds of grain. So that's his his recipe. That's when you look at the, the grandfather in a two-year-old uh, style. Um, <laughs> That's that's the base volume of enzyme that you're supposed to use. So you add the enzyme about a third of the way into mashing to make sure that it isn't too hot. So he actually talks a little bit here about how home brewers do it versus how regular brewers do it. Um, you could also add the enzyme in the kettle at the very end of the whole brewing process. So you've got all your sugars and everything that are actually in the kettle. You chill the kettle down to the to pitching temperature, basically. Um, and then, or, or basically, let me rephrase that. You you take the what's coming off of the mash and you put it into the kettle before you boil it and you add in the enzymes at that point, which will bring the, um, the enzymes in contact with those extra sugars and starches. 
let everything break down, and then you heat it up to kill off the enzymes. I've seen some people talk about online about adding it directly to the fermenter. Um, I can understand why you wouldn't want to do that because you may take every little bit of sugar that there ever possibly could be out of a beer. And then enzymes can react some different ways probably with living creatures. And so you may be killing off yeasts by using some of these enzymes. I don't know. Mm. I haven't yeah. haven't even looked on that in yet. See, I, I, I feel like putting it at the very end might be the better option. It just because like at that point you've already it's already done its work now you're just trying to finish it off to get it to yeah get that get where last you want little it. bit but yeah. you know maybe I'm wrong I'm dumb so, no I, I think that if you add it in there right to the before you actually um, actually start up like heating up the kettle it wouldn't hurt the beer and it may actually be enough time for it to take care of what it needs to take care of while it's over there in the kettle and, and be mixing at the same time. Um, not just kind of sitting around where it is. Um, he says that he knows a lot of homebrewers just throw grain on top of their mash water. That's what I always did whenever I was homebrewing. Cause you had to measure out how much mash water you were using. So the option makes more sense for them to actually, um, take this whole conversion temperature thing into account and do it either a half or a third of the way into the actual mash time when everything's kind of balanced out in temperature mm -hmm. or do it in the kettle that way. Um, the enzyme will denature in the, the boil, but it's already done all the work that it needs to. Um, so that would also mean that if you uh, look at this enzyme, it's a amyloglucose glucosamide or something like that i'll have to look it up here oh man uh, for once for once chris we didn't have the words i know right yeah it's uh so the enzyme is it, it's basically a an enzyme that just breaks down starches into glucose it, it's able to to oh it's not alpha amylase it's it's something very similar though um but anyways, oh, sorry, my, my, my small knowledge of stuff kicked in. I was like, wait, like alpha acids? And I went, never mind. That's probably wrong. Shut up. <laughs> um, let me let me look it up here. The brute enzyme here. I want to make sure because this is kind of the big, big point of the uh, the entire day today uh, is to make sure. Now, I would say and this could be something to, to you know, think about. But I guess would adding this extra enzyme mean it's not part of the Reinheitsgebot? So that gets on to a totally different topic, and probably so. Um, I would say that that means it's not adhering to the Reinheitsgebot, but uh, in I, modern I also, day I also craft, feel like I don't care what the Reinheitsgebot says. I was so. here to say, so we're in this position where modern day craft has thrown the Reinheitsgebot out, and we've essentially wiped our asses with it. <laughs> Man, uh. do you just imagine the Germans looking at us like, we gave you rules. What is this? Well, no, we talked about it, was it a couple years ago, about how there is this kind of like uprising in the yeah. German brewing scene because you have a younger generation who want to mess with a lot of these other craft styles and they can't and adhere to the Reinheitsgebot because they want to mess, start messing around with lactose and right. all this kind although, of stuff and they can't. Although I'm just picturing now Ger the German equivalent of going, your failures are your own, old man! <laughs> yeah. Lactose for everyone! The milk stout reigns supreme. 
I'm pretty sure this is a compound that's already in the malt itself. It's one of those compounds that gets created, one of those enzymes that gets created when you actually malt the malt. But just like when you can create acid malt to bring down the pH, you can't just add acid in. You have to create an acid malt by going through the hard process of letting it create the acid on the malt itself. Um, okay. So I would say it's probably out on the Reinhardt's on that side. Okay. Uh, it, it is Um So there you go. I've said it. <laughs> and uh, it's really important because you have used this to break down all these starches. The starches and the kind of more complex sugars can actually serve to give a little bit like maltose. Maltose is a, a combination of a couple different um, sugars, but it actually gives yeasts a little bit of additional nutrition there. They're not going to have that. And so almost all of the wort that you're going to be fermenting is going to be glucose. It's almost like fermenting complete raw sugar. And so they are having a really hard time with being able to find other nutrients in that. So you got to provide them with a little bit of additional fermentation nutrients. you got to give them a little something. Yeah, a little push there. Because, I mean, think about it. You're basically saying, okay, here you go. We're going to give you nothing but junk food. You got to give them a little bit of something there, a little bit of vitamin, basically, to get them through because they're going <laughs> to die on nothing but Oreos. Speak for yourself. But it'll be a, it'll be a warrior's death. I mean, they'll go fast, they'll go hard, and they'll get it done quick. <laughs> they'll leave an obese. <laughs> they'll go fast, go hard, and leave an obese corpse. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not unheard of. Uh, that, that well, that's and that's the reason you got to give them a few vitamins because uh, if or a little nutrient there because if you don't, they will just die or get too lazy and and fall out of solution and say you know what i've had enough <laughs> man you're really making this sound like it's us oh i no, could need another bar i can't nope no i hit my limit <laughs> so we do have a couple beers here that we can taste in front of us uh yeah let me see if i can hit the uh <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's looking right. For, no, looking for, no, looking for a little no. flapping pickle. <laughs> oh god, I want all this to stay in. <laughs> all right. Drink yeah, with yeah, me, right friend. One. Don't know how Brittany works this thing. <laughs> I just want her to come back and just look at you during editing and just go, never again. <laughs> So in front of us, on our left, we have Sierra Nevada's Brute. Nope. And on our nope, change hands. Oh. <laughs> I figured you can you can do it whichever way you want to, but I'm always going to be referring to right and left. Um, I, know, I I know, but like literally, mine's on the right. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna get into these real quick. Um, this is gonna be the Sierra Nevada Brute and the uh, New Belgium Brute. Indeed. <laughs> All right, I'll match mine to yours. So the Sierra Nevada Brute, uh, th there's not really a whole lot that they're given informationally on these. It's just kind of like what we pulled off the labels. So uh, this is our Brute IPA, a new take on IPA brewed for a bone-dry champagne-style finish. Late hop additions give the beer balanced bitterness and a bright pop of citrus flavor. It's an intriguing, uh, or it's as intriguing as it is drinkable. ABV 6.2%. IBUs 25. 
Um, this is this is the one we were drinking. I know through most of the episode. I, yeah, no, me too. Okay. Um, I will say, I notice if you've got them side by side, the uh, the Sierra Nevada is a little bit more like straw pale. I think it's paler. Like it's really hard to distinguish, but it is paler. And one thing I was yep. noticing from the initial pour is that uh, it's a lot more carbed. Higher carbonation. Although the Sierra Nevada has less head retention and less head formation than mm-hmm. the New Belgium did. Although if you let it sit long enough and then you just pop open the one that accidentally rolled around in the back of your car for God knows how long, <laughs> uh, for at least two hours, uh, it gets a mighty, mighty hard head. <laughs> Which one? Uh, the the Sierra or Sierra? Yeah, uh, I had it <laughs> uh, as I was driving these back home. They've tipped over very early in my drive back. So you heard them the whole way. I heard not most of the way, but when I'd make very sharp turns or sudden stops, I could hear them going. No, 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 not like this. <laughs> Now, I kept I kept trying to smell beer from my back yeah. seat going I'm okay. Bottle didn't break yet. So that's another thing to say about uh, both of these. We'll get into the other one here in a second. There is not a lot of aroma. They are really and it's not dead. There is a faint <laughs> extremely faint hoppiness. Yeah. Um hop water, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Not like, a ton like, of malt. Yeah, I, I want to say like a little bit old hop water. Yeah, the, the, there's there's a, so if you chase aromas in beers, you're not gonna be pleased here. No, there's just not a lot there. It's not to say it's unpleasant. It's just there's not a lot there. Um. So before we get into flavors and comparing those, uh, that our other one I uh, already said is the New Belgium Brewed IPA. Bubbly, dry, crisp, and refreshing Brute IPA is inspired by our favorite sparkling wines with hints of tropical fruits and champagne. This effervescent brew is the perfect cheers to the new year. Uh, ABV 6.7 from New Belgium, an IBU of 55. I can't drive 55. I can't hop 55. Okay, so we've been drinking the... All of us together were drinking the Sierra Nevada through the episode. And Which I think may have killed the fact that when smelling this one beside the Sierra Nevada, I get a lot more citrus on the Sierra Nevada, a lot more lemony type of uh, aroma on the Sierra Nevada. The, the, the... I'm getting a bit more of a dank aroma off the New Belgium. That's what I was going to say. I'm getting... Yep. I would call it herbaceous. Yep, herbaceous, 100%. yes. It is very herbal. Uh, also, I want to point out, it's probably a first that we're all drinking the same thing. <laughs> Two of the for same things. Well, I mean, it's a tasting. It's a tasting, but like, also just our beer to drink during the episode has been... It is. So, the New Belgium one, it, like, it, it's, it's almost flat to me after having the Sierra Nevada one, which... Could possibly be like severely overcarbed. Hmm. It is a little bit less effervescent. 
It's almost uh, going second with it. It almost feels cloying on my palate. Which, for this style specifically, effervescence is important. I mean, is, like, that's yeah, that's the what factors. they're going for. So this one, this one has more hop flavor in it, though the New Belgium. Uh, but it it is it is a little bit, a little bit flatter, like a little bit like sedentary. Is that a good way to describe it's? Yeah, it's sitting on the couch eating Funyuns. When did you get this one, Chris? When? Yeah, the the New Belgium Brut. I uh, picked it up, what, like two weeks ago? Okay. It shouldn't have had enough time to have anything weird no, happen no, no, to no, it. No, 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 no. One of I'm the bottles I'm drinking of it has been the from that same... I'm pretty sure both of these bottles were bottled on the exact same day also. What? Yeah, I'm Ooh. looking at the, the Born On date. It was the 7th and for both of them, so... I would it should think, be at yeah they're they're pretty much neck and neck. This is like happenstance. Got <laughs> two beers bottled from different breweries bottled on the same day yeah. for a tasting side by side of the same style. Yep. It's, so that it's is it's like we couldn't get more exact. <laughs> so that's kind of fun for science. I'm not completely meant to, guys. Come on. Right. It, it would be even better if they were both made in in North Carolina. <laughs> I don't know if these are, but. <laughs> But yeah, they, they would both, be if they, they would are on be east, to, get to this to get to if this region. East Coast so, distribution, they would be, which means that they would have made it the same distance from the, at the same, the same time, time <laughs> from roughly the same location. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, you couldn't have better test subjects. Yeah, is what we're mm-hmm. getting getting at here. But yeah, the I don't I don't know if I you know which of these I actually prefer though, because like to style, I guess. The, the the Sierra Nevada one is more effervescent, but it's also thinner. Mm-hmm. Like it's when I took my first sip earlier, I was like, it's like there's nothing here. Like I know it's supposed to be a little bit, you know, less filling, but it feels like nothing. Less filling tastes great. It tastes fine, but it was just kind of like, oh, uh, all right. And then this new Belgium one. It's not as it's not as effervescent, but it is. It's got more flavor in there. Yeah, I see the Sierra Nevada Brut IPA sort of like a weakened version of the Pale Ale that they make. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Maybe a little bit hoppier on the aroma, but backed off on pretty much everything else. I don't know what the new Belgian Brut IPA is supposed to be based off of, where it mm-hmm. was going before this. But it is a different because it certainly wasn't fat tire. No, <laughs> I'm trying to decide right now. No, like, but wait, no butter, the, no butter. Yeah, I was going to like, do I have that buttery film taste? Not really. Of course, it's a it's a young beer, so. Well, it would be hard to cover anything up in this style. That's what yeah. makes it so hard to make. That's okay. So that is one thing to be said about this. As much as you could try and knock it for being light on We're aroma, hairs. Yeah. yeah, light on aroma and light on flavor and all these things. There's nothing to hide behind. Nope. Like flat no. out, there is 100 percent nothing to hide behind in this style. I will say, like if you screw up a brewed IPA, everyone's gonna know it immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's no vanilla to hide behind. There's no big malts to hide behind. I do like the idea though that potentially with all of the the enzymes breaking down everything into sugar that's been fermented out. 
bacteria that like to eat on beers and spoiled beers. It's a lot usually, less hard. You're not going to get gushers? I don't think you could. Because I, I, I think as long as you've got nothing left in there that they could eat, you're done. I mean, there's no starch in there left for them to eat on. There's nothing that they could... Like, there's some wild yeasts out there that can eat starch and can break down starch that your traditional beer yeast can't. And so that's the reason that you get a gushers because one of those wild yeasts gets in there and can do can eat that stuff. Mm-hmm. This, I don't think there's really anything that you could spoil with it because it's all done. It's all already fermented. It's alcohol and water. Yeah. All right. So um, what do we want to say? Uh, let's go, go around the table. What do you think? Uh, Sierra Nevada or New Belgium? Yeah, I'm 100% on Sierra Nevada. And it's you know, all down to hop choice, just because yeah. I like those hops better. I kind of, I'm going to agree with Casey. It's, it is, I think it's probably truer to style, and I think it's, it's got some good, good, you know, hop choices. I like some new Belgian beer. This one is just a little bit, just doesn't feel like it's quite right. It's not bad, but it's not as good. It's not as champagne-like either. Yeah. So okay. I'm going to come in and completely agree. No, the Sierra Nevada one is clearly the superior of these. It's super easy drinking. The extra carb really helps it out, I think. Makes <laughs> is it there, super. Is there really one extra carb in Sierra Nevada? The, the one extra carb. One. <laughs> no, the, the fact that it feels more carbonated. And oh, in the, the extra carbonation. carbonation. I thought, like, the, actually, in no. their data, they had one, oh. <laughs> one, a single carbohydrate in, in it or something. <laughs> That helps. No, uh, so when this summer rolls around, and if you're to be out by a pool, or even it's just hot and you're sweaty and you come in, that is going to be just manna from heaven. Too bad you can't find it this summer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Look at the bottle. What? Right above Brute. Comes in in the spring seasonal. Yeah. The worst. Oh, come on. I know, right? Okay, so I'm gonna have to try and get a pack as fresh as possible <laughs> right before summer. Yep. For a hot day because this is just killer for that. And uh, always remember, you can join us or not always, but right now, remember you can join us in Asheville, and we can all go down to the breweries and get even fresher versions. So I will say, thinking about this, why has uh, I'm just like it's the champagne of beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is there not a um, lawsuit? Someone call Miller and get on that. Oh, <laughs> uh, does, does is there one of these packages that says that? No, it's not. Oh. But it, it's brute, and which is a champagne style. And as I'm like trying to taste it, I'm like, it's like the champagne of like, somebody uses that. <laughs> okay, none of the they. I think they uh, pointedly they purposely don't. don't. Yeah. Because it very easily could be called the champagne. So I had little to no experience with this style before this episode, I have to say. And uh, because I'd only had one fruited version of a Brute from Listerman. It was Uh, Brute Roll-Up. It was like raspberry flavored. It was good. It it followed along with pretty much how these are. It was a bit hoppier and it had that, you know, fruit punch in it. And I I got to say, I'm... On board with the brute style. This is this is good. This is the anti New England. I like both styles. I gotta say, New Belgium. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing with these styles. 
they clearly don't know what they're doing with some of these, and they're like, oh, it's a New England. Let's make a Hefeweizen. It's like, what? Yeah. Well, New Belgium is trying to go for that that Germanic and Belgian, like, traditional kind of some with some of their stuff. Or just, or, or just dank weed. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I did get a little bit of that aroma when we cracked open the, the Sierra Nevada one. It made me wonder that he just have leftover hops from the Emperor, and they tried using it. In could this. be, it could be, and anyone who's gonna be like, "Oh, that could just be a bad beer." No, these are fresh. Yeah, like this is, they these are less than thirty days old. Mm-hmm. So there's no skunking. Uh, but you know, um, this is not one of my favorite styles. I just don't feel like it has a whole lot. I don't know. I I I tend to be like I like extremes in some of my beer now. Like yeah, well, um, okay. Extreme. This uh, these will be. I mean, like I'm saying, summer. This would be great. It's sad yeah. that they're like, hey, it's a spring seasonal. Here it is in February. Yeah, but like seasonals make no sense anymore. Yeah, it's time so. for your winter seasonal. We're calling it. Yeah, it's like, oh, yes, yes, winter. What what month is this? June. All right, fine, whatever. <laughs> a little bit of that season creep. The season creep's getting rough in craft beer, but we're going to actually get more to more to style for the season when we wrap this up, so me and Casey can crack open this uh, bourbon barrel-aged uh, Demogorgon from Streetside Brewery uh, with toasted coconut and vanilla. Oh, I'm so jealous. We'll send you a test too full. <laughs> we already had pre-show we had uh the apple brandy barrel aged demogorgon oh. it was amazing we cracked it open and it was smelled like uh heaven it smelled like apple butter like the, the oh. smell of apple coming out of it is insane and that was oh. just from the apple brandy barrels that had been aged in there was nothing added yeah why you do this to me <laughs> That someone's bringing some to drink tacular. Keep that in mind, guys. February 22nd to 24th in Asheville, North Carolina. In the meantime, though, you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv. And don't forget to tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Uh, smoke signals are still my favorite version of receiving feedback. But speaking of feedback... We got one! Oh, yeah, that's right, we did. Hold on, I have to pull it up. (laughs) Yes, uh, it's been a while since we've got to hear from Janine. It's been been so long, I forgot that it was there. (laughs) It's it's a little dusty there on the soundboard around around that button. (laughs) But, uh, hey, so uh, we've got a message here. Uh, says hi. Really, this is from uh, oh no, wrong one. <laughs> we got two. No, we, we no, got another other one, one will be next time. <laughs> other one will be next time. So we got one. Hi guys, uh, new to your podcast. Been listening, uh, having a great time getting caught up with the old episodes. Don't We're lie. Sorry. Don't lie to. <laughs> don't don't know no, the first 10 episodes burn them get away from them run away we uh, you know we're we're very critical about how we started we've gotten better since then it's but again just... it was the experiment the, the way this all started was hey our journey into craft yeah uh, so uh, i said maybe i'll get caught up one day uh, it's i mean we're just over 100 episodes it's not it's not that big of a task to catch up on those although some of them are kind of long sorry uh, there's the prohibition tri- triad yeah 
So he had to show us, he said, this was tonight's flight at my local pub as they uh, delved into the cellar. So Hmm. he gave us uh, the picture of this, and this is drool-worthy. So he gave us uh, left to right. So Evil Twin, Biscotti Break from 2017, Weyenbacher's Insanity 2015, Old Coast's Old Stock Ale from 2013, and that is one that is very ageable. Yeah, it uh, it's the older ones are the the sweet spot on those old coasts, and then uh, he decided to really, or I guess the uh, bar decided to really up it with Sam Adams Cosmic Funk Grand Crew 2014, which is one of the base beers to Utopias. Utopias, yes. And uh, we've only come across that beer in the wild once before, and like it is extremely hard to come across that one. He said, uh, "Cheers." Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm just looking at those pictures, though. I'm just like, oh, you. Yeah, the pictures. Uh, cheers. You're lucky. Scottish you. Kevin, Wisconsin. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, dropping us the picture and making us drool. All those beers are amazing. Uh, the the cosmic uh, cosmic mother funk Grand Crew is really good. Uh, I do like. We we ran across it at a beer fest, and the tap they just had it on everything is uh, KMF. GC mm-hmm. it was on everything, and when we we walked up, we're like, "Gotta get some of the Cosmic Mother Funk." And then he was like, "Because you know the name, you get full pours." Oh, yeah, because <laughs> it was like two ounce pours of what they were doing. But yeah. then he's like, just topped those glasses off, and it was just like, "Oh, it's so good, properly yeah. appreciated." Uh, but yeah, that's all right. So, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, letting us know what you were drinking, and uh, we always love for everyone to uh, write in and let us know and show us anything you want to brag. That's, I'll call that a big humble brag. That's a good humble brag. I mean, brag. true, but... Because uh, that biscotti break is also really good from Evil is. Twin. Mm-hmm. It is. All right, guys, all junk, even fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, next time... Another week, fingers crossed. Uh, you can check us out. Uh, we should have something up for you by then. Uh, and don't forget to check out patreon.com slash have a drink show. Uh, once again, I'm Justin Frazier. I'm looking for the button. He's Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. Uh, as soon as he finds his button, we'll see you next time. Let's try that again. Or not. Bye, guys. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>